0: Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our hearts to your word, that we would receive uh, and be encouraged in how to live it out, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome again. It is uh, really, really cool to see a full house. And if you are new or visiting, my name's Nick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Love to connect with you after the service and get to know you. Uh, So glad you're here today or if you're... Visiting us online. Uh, so glad that you've decided to join us. We are wrapping up our series on the book of Acts. We're not through the whole book, but for the last six months, we've been traveling through Acts, which is the story of what happened to the followers of Jesus after Easter, after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, and what happened the giving of the Spirit, and, and then the, the growth of the Christian movement from a few followers. Uh, to including people from other nations, and then Paul as a figurehead and his missionary journeys uh, going out into Europe and Asia out of Israel. And so today we're going to kind of conclude this portion of the story before we focus our attention on Easter, which is coming up quickly. Hard to believe. In this passage, here we are in Acts 20, this marks the end of Paul's missionary journeys. It's his final journey uh, back to Jerusalem. And once he's there, he's going to get arrested. He's going to appeal to Caesar. He's a Roman citizen. And so he gets the special right of appealing to Caesar and getting shipped off to Rome uh, for his hearing. And so he does that. And he ends up a prisoner along the way, has some more adventures, but eventually ends in house arrest uh, in Rome. And here he is heading back to what he He is pretty sure he's going to be uh, imprisoned or attacked along the way. And he's saying goodbye to these friends of his in Ephesus, these Ephesian elders. And this speech has some interesting things for us to consider this morning. It reflects his humility. It reflects his heart to serve people. It reflects a real love. Uh, it's, It's a fairly emotional farewell. This is one of the only addresses in Acts that's directly to Christians. It's not just sort of a, um, preaching the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. He's talking to church leaders, and he's praying with them, and uh, he knows they won't see each other again, this side of things. And uh, it's a tearful farewell. When I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about that question, what would you share with loved ones? if you knew it was the last time you were going to see them? Which is a bit of a, bit of a downer, isn't it? Uh, after having a really joyful first half of the service, uh, it's a bit of a downer. Uh, but it's a good question. It's not a question I've, I've really had to face in my life, but I know some of you, if you've lost loved ones, or spouses or parents or children, uh, there's tender moments when we say goodbye to people that are dear to us. And if you were the one saying goodbye... Perhaps you're the one leaving friends that you won't see for a while, or you are facing illness, or you're on your deathbed. Perhaps you would want to say the things that you didn't say earlier. This is often the case in movies, right? You get the dramatic moment where now we're finally going to say the things we should have said years ago. Often I think we want to reaffirm our love and our hope for those that are still with us. And that's what Paul does. Paul knows he won't see them again. And he's speaking to these overseers, uh, these shepherd pastors in this church, and he's warning them, but he's also urging them to live for God. He urges them to make living for God the most important part of their lives. Uh, And he also says, pay attention to how I lived, which is a bit bit daunting, because I feel like when people say that, we can be like, well, you are like a professional person, uh, you are awesome, and I am not awesome. So how can you expect me to do that? I was reading one commentary, and it said when Paul suggests this, it can feel like an Olympic skier, uh, you know, doing this awesome run down the hill, and then turning back to the amateur still at the top of the hill and going, "Okay, now you do it." And the amateur at the top of the hill is like, "No, you're the pro. I can't do that. I'm falling on my face, right? I can't. I can't just follow you, in your awesomeness." But that's not really what Paul does. Paul says. Follow me as I try and live my life for Jesus, but I'm not expecting you to do anything beyond uh, what you're capable of. Notice what Paul doesn't point them to. He doesn't point them to his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. He doesn't point them to his visionary experiences. He doesn't point them to the miracles, even, that God did through him. What Paul does is call them to a legacy of living faithfully for God. And he points out his character. He points out what he wants to pass on at the end of the day, which is the legacy of living for Jesus. He does this in three steps. He looks to his past, he looks to the present, and then he looks to the future. So first he recalls his past and his character of working alongside them, where he's loving them and he's serving them humbly. Verse 33, he said, I wasn't after your money. I didn't come alongside you and teach you about Jesus and show you how to live a meaningful life because I was after your gold. It wasn't about that. Church wasn't ab- isn't about that. It's not about your money. Verse 19, he talks about serving the Lord with humility. It was about following Jesus. It was about following after the mission that God had put on Paul's heart through all the tears and trials that that involved. Uh, It was difficult. He talks about weeping with them, verses 31 and 37. Paul is present with these people, present with those he's called to love. And I was thinking about this for our lives, that living for Jesus means spending time loving people, loving those that we are called to love, both our close family, but also those we don't yet know, the stranger in our midst in the same way that Jesus has come out of heaven to love us, his enemies, sinners, and to adopt us into his family, in the same way we as the church are called to go and to love those, uh, even those who we may not always find easy to love. But we're called to come alongside and to love. And that's what Paul highlights, his willingness to go alongside and be with them, even in the difficulty. The second thing Paul highlights is how he acted in the present. And specifically, that call he had to relay the gospel to them. And he uses almost every verb imaginable to describe the task. Preaching, teaching, declaring, proclaiming, warning them. He endeavored to faithfully pass on the will of God to them. He was faithful to his mission. And he did this because he knew once he would leave... There would be false teachers who would come and rise up and try and distort the truth. and We know that this happened uh, in the church, and we know this still happens today. There's people who emphasize a really different message than what's at the heart of Christianity. The good news of salvation, that God loves you, and by his grace and by faith in Jesus, you can be saved out of your sin and out of death and into eternal life but there's others who preach a different sort of message. And you might ask, well, how do you know if someone's preaching a different sort of message? And Paul says these people will, instead of pointing people to God, they'll draw people to themselves. They'll draw people uh, to follow them instead of pointing people to follow Jesus. And Paul calls them to be alert, to watch their attitudes. And so in the same way for us, there's a call, especially if you're in leadership, if you're a Christian in leadership, to ensure that our speech points people to Jesus and not just to ourselves. That we point people like signposts to God. That Our job is to testify about the gospel. That God offers us salvation and life. And finally, Paul looks to the future. He knows he's going to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to encounter some rough things in his life. But he's committed to faithfully finishing the race. He knows it's going to be tough, but he doesn't just drop out. He says, I'm committed to seeing this through and to finishing well. Look at verse 24. He says, I don't account my life for any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel Of the grace of God and then verse 32 he commends them to God commit you he says I commit you to God and to the word of his grace and so when I think about what's involved in leaving a legacy in our lives for myself I think I I want to be remembered as someone who was committed to serving Jesus faithfully even when it was tough even when it was difficult that I ran the race, that I fought the fight, that I wanted to uh, take the journey, and even in the mistakes and blunders that I would make along the way, that it would be said he lived for Jesus. He gave his life to the Lord. And so when we look at Paul's farewell message, you can kind of break it down in different ways, past, present, future, or his character and, and his communication, And then his commitment to God, but I want to put it this way and think about it for our own lives. When it comes to departing or to leaving a legacy, first our call is to be people who love others. People who are willing to weep with those who weep. Who are willing and able to laugh with those who laugh. Who are present and relational and caring and engaged in one another's lives. We long for community, for people who know us and understand us. And living a good and meaningful life involves taking the time to care well for those around us. Second, there's a call to be faithful to the work that God has put before us. We find that in Paul's passage. For him, that was uh, his missionary evangelism. But not all of us are called, perhaps, to leave our homes and go sailing through uh, the Greek world, uh, preaching in various churches. But for you, that may be the call to be faithful to being a father or a mother or a grandparent. It may be the call to be a tradesperson or a healthcare worker or an artist or a financial planner or an educator or a lawyer, or a janitor, or someone in retail, or someone in hospitality, perhaps a caregiver of someone who's aging or failing in their illness, or perhaps the secretary answering the phone, or the mechanic working underneath a vehicle, or the apprentice, or the student, or the pilot, to be faithful to the task to which God has called you. Be faithful to the work that he has put before you. Whatever that might be. And to be faithful in living that well as worship unto God. And finally, at the end of our days, our call is to be ones who are committed to finishing the race well. To remembering that Jesus is our Lord. That he is worth every moment of our lives. And that we can invite people into a close relationship with God and into the community of saints. To love people, to be faithful to the task before us, and to finish well with Jesus as our Lord. Paul was an apostle, uh, a sent one, and that is a unique designation in many ways, but in other ways it can describe the calling of the church that we are to be sent ones I like how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, for each and every one of us, the Christian life is apostolic, meaning we're all sent. God's sending us to reach others with the gospel, sometimes at great distances geographically or emotionally a great distance. But remember where we are in Paul's life in Acts 20. He's near the end. He's had a whole lot of adventure and accomplishment. That's all behind him. But instead of sitting back, He set sail, and in doing so, set an example for all of us. It may feel in your life that things are low, that it's a difficult struggle right now, that you're not sure which way to turn. You're struggling, perhaps, with various thoughts and emotions as we come out of various restrictions from the pandemic. There's all sorts of feelings and and responses to that. We're all aware of what's happening over in the Ukraine, and it can fill us with fear or worry about the future and what's going on in our world. There's a call for us to sort out what's happening in our own hearts as we look at some of the issues in our broader world. And to say, have I set my heart upon the truth that Jesus is Lord, that he loves me, that he died for me, that he washes me clean? And so I'd like to, just as we end, as I end the sermon, as we head towards the table, I want us to just take a moment, and, and for you to take a moment just to examine your own life and to ask, who am I called to extend care and compassion towards? Who is God inviting me to love more deeply? And do, I, do you have a sense of the, of the call, of the vocation that God has for you? It may not be a dramatic sort of thing but is there a sense in your life that this is, what, this is what's before me? I may not even enjoy the work I have. I may, not, I may be frustrated with my family. I might be put out about what's going on in life, but can I try to do this well with a good attitude because it matters? And can you live with a, a commitment, a newfound commitment, of following Jesus as your Lord, past, present, and future? Or compassion calling and commitment to Christ this is what we strive for I think when we're called to look back on our lives that there was a legacy of love and faithfulness following God and you may not feel that you're living such a life today but I just want to encourage you each day you can lay a new foundation to start fresh it's never too late to begin anew and so have you thought about the legacy you will leave? Have you thought about the words you would say as you are departing? And are they filled with faith and hope and love as God calls us all to finish well the race he's put before us? I was thinking of Isaiah forty thirty one, just as I wrap this up. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. May that be an encouragement for each of us as we seek to follow Jesus and to live the Christian life for him, to pursue what he has for us. So let's pray to that end before we come to the table today. Lord, we thank you that even as Paul was saying farewell to his friends and they knew they wouldn't see each other this side of heaven, that there was a, a coming reunion where they would embrace again, knowing that you hold them and keep them. We know, Lord, that Paul went through much more even after this moment. And we recognize too that in our own lives, after we leave this place, there's a whole lot that we're stepping back into family stuff, work stuff, life stuff, health and finances, and all the rest. But Lord, in this moment you call us to just consider the pattern of our lives. And there's a call to love, a call to work well for you, and a call to reflect again on your salvation and whether we've made that commitment to trust in you and to follow you all the days of our lives. Lord, I pray over my friends who are here gathered and those that are listening online. Lord, would you stir in our hearts not a not a really down sense of what kind of legacy am I going to leave because I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the dirt here soon, but Lord, what sort of person do I want to be remembered for? What do I want my friends and family to remember about me? And may that uh, call to leave a legacy encourage us to make the choices today to live a life that is grounded in you, and found in you, and marked by your love and your your care for others, just as Paul's life was marked by a love and a service and a joy, would that be the mark of our lives as well? Lord, we do thank you that you are at work in our world, and we thank you that we can trust in you for our worries and our concerns. We think of situations here at home here in dryden and in canada we pray lord that you would continue to move and draw people unto yourself lord we pray for the violence uh, around the world but we are all very aware of the situation in ukraine and we pray that you would bring an end to war that you would uphold the innocent lord that you would bring peace and restoration that you would come alongside those who are broken and lost. Lord, that you would help us to extend your compassion and care also to the lost who are here at home. And to be faithful, Lord, to the task that you've called us to. We ask these things in your name. Amen.